Welcome to the Vertical Software Podcast. I'm your host, Sudan Siva, the head of corporate development of Vogue Software Group, where we buy and hold vertical market software companies across the world. In this podcast, we'll introduce you to owners and operators who run a vertical software business, talk about their story, how they view the market, and the trends that they see. Stay tuned for our next guest on the Vertical Software Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm very excited to have Justin Bailey on our podcast today. He is the co-founder of Rose Rocket, which is an innovative TMS system that is taking a look at the trucking industry overall, um, specifically an order management software for the trucking industry. Uh, the company went through Y Combinator, I believe, back in 2016. Also great to have a fellow Toronto Torontonian uh, founder on the podcast. So very excited to have you on, Justin. Why don't you give uh, or take a couple of minutes to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks for, for having me. So as mentioned, my name is Justin Bailey. I'm co-founder of Rose Rocket. Uh, I'm the chief strategy officer here for the, um, for the company. Basically, what that means is I spend most of my time thinking about business development efforts, uh, enterprise sales efforts, and, and, and do a lot of work sort of just a little bit out in front of, of the roadmap. And, and that you know, is how I spend most of, most of my time uh, at Rose Rocket outside of my personal life where I have uh, four kids, which keeps me pretty busy. Yeah, I, I can't imagine all the things you're going through running a company, building one, while yeah. also uh, taking care of four kids. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's... you. <laughs> There's a, it's the support around you that, that does the work. So I've got, uh, um, I've, I've got a lot of help, so I, I won't certainly take credit for, for doing most of the lifting in terms of, uh, in terms of the kids. So that's, that's well, well taken care of. So I have a lot of, quite frankly, a lot of space to, to do the work that, that I need. Good to hear. I mean, let's go deeper into your story. I mean, you know, trucking, freight, uh, supply chain, logistics, these are all words that, you know, you normally don't, you know, dream of doing, right? And it's usually something that you kind of encounter and learn over time. I mean, going through your profile, you've been in this space uh, well before starting Rose Rocket. I think this just seems to be the latest iteration of going after some of the challenges in the TMS space. So what got you into uh, freight and trucking? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I really, if I, if I look back at it now, and I, and I don't think I realized this at the time, but I've, I've sort of been in logistics for even longer than I knew. And, and even going back to, I always liked uh, geography and math. And uh, actually, I won a, an orienteering uh, contest, not contest, but race uh, at one point. And, and so I guess logistics has kind of been something I've been, been particularly fond of and, and relatively skilled at. And so really most jobs I've had have had some component of, of logistics in them. Um, and then I guess really though, the real start was when I started working for a trucking company uh, back in probably around 2008 or so. Um, and that really just opened my eyes to, I think one, the possibilities um, of the space, because it was just, it's just so gigantic. And, and I think from that, the, it, there was just so many inefficiencies in the industry. And, you know, I was pretty eyes wide open and, at that time. So I think that, that really started my curiosity, I think, for, for the industry. Yeah, that makes total sense. Going deeper into kind of how you got exposed into that industry, what are some of the problems that you first saw or perhaps the problems that bothered you quite a bit? Because, you know, before Rose Rocket, you started Freight Next. 
Um, you work for a couple of other companies in and around that space as well. So what exactly about trucking and, and you know, bothered you or, you know, perhaps prompted you to start a company and solve the problems that you're solving today with Rose Rocket? There were so many moments where I thought this could be automated. This could be done better. This is very laborious, tedious type tasks that are taking place to execute. Getting something from point A to point B, uh, in my mind at the time, was was just so over-engineered with, with sort of human inefficiencies and paperwork and these types of things. So that was probably the the, the beginning. And as you get deeper into it and start really understanding, you know, the, the business a little bit deeper, you, you really can really drilling down on, this is a technology problem, whether it be techno, the available technology, and then, and then subsequent to that, the, the adoption of technology. So, you know, I, I think that was probably where I really started getting, getting excited and coming up with maybe ideas that, that I wanted to start trying in market. Yeah, got it. And, and you know, Let's build on that. So tell us more about how Rose Rocket really addresses this problem today. And, you know, why do you think it, like, it's such a game changer for the industry? Yeah, so I'll probably just step back to Freightnext because I think it helps sort of paint the sure. a little bit. So when we started Freightnext, which is the same co-founding team uh, for, for Rose Rocket, the, the, the mission of Freightnext was to help shippers and carriers have a more streamlined uh, transaction experience. It was effectively a, a digital freight brokerage um, focused mostly on 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 LTL uh, and LTL shippers. And what we pretty quickly realized with that business was that to connect the shippers and the carriers, we needed obviously the technology to do it. And most of the carriers did not have uh, APIs. And if they did, they were unstable. They were not being managed. Uh, it, we spent an, an inordinate amount of time building those APIs basically for the carriers. And it just, we couldn't scale that part of the business. And there was sort of this thing happening while we were working on Freightnext where things like um, like Convoy, and uh, which is a freight marketplace, started popping up. And, and even Uber as a business was starting to happen to become real. And you could see this movement towards um, sort of digital marketplaces. And I think even when looking at Uber as a taxi company, there was an obvious conclusion that this would, people would start trying to do this for freight. So we we kind of looked at this as founders and said, there will be no way to get an, a marketplace lit up until the supply is online. And, and at that time, and largely still today, uh, large trucking companies who, who own an inordinate amount of supply in the marketplace are not really on the internet, at least their supply isn't. So we really set out to build Rose Rocket to basically get carriers on the internet at that time so they could be available and then marketplaces could work in, in all the things. So that led to Rose Rocket and effectively really took us into, we went to y, y Combinator shortly after we made that pivot and we started building a TMS. Um, and the TMS was really designed, we, you know, originally at the time, we'd started building a TMS to enable this online sort of marketplace or get supply online, as I mentioned. As we started going into market with this TMS, we really thought of it originally almost as a Trojan horse that, you know, this will be the product that people use. And once they are on this product, then we'll have their supply and we can do all sorts of interesting things with it. It just so happened that building the TMS is, is a massive, massive undertaking that we, we highly underestimated in terms of the, just the scale of what that was going to take. This is probably the world's most expensive Trojan horse that we've built, if that's what you still want to call it. Um, but right. it's, it is now, um, that is the business we're in with many ambitions around network connections and, and all of those things that we thought about at the beginning. And, and we're starting to lean into those pretty heavy now. But uh, certainly we had to spend 
the better part of five years uh, building building a product that people could run their business on. Um, so all of these network effects and broadcast and supply online, um, they had to be inherent to the workflow. They had to be organic to what they were doing. You couldn't ask these companies to do something else. They weren't going to just pivot their chair and go post their capacity on a different website or, or, or something like that. So we really had to build right. a system of record to gain access to you know, the, the data uh, that we wanted to. And what are some of the things you did to study the behavior and, and the workflow of your customers, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think very different from uh, any other industry where, you know, you probably have to do a lot of in-person observations or training, whatever the case might be, just curious to learn more about that. Yeah, it, was, it really, I, I think it was, it was that. I mean, we went to, uh, dozens and at this point probably you know well over a hundred different trucking companies and sat with dispatchers, sat with planners, sat with owners, asked them you know asked them what they cared about, um, iterated, really you know sort of lean startup methodologies, build, measure, learn uh, type thing, and, and and we just kept going and going. And we still do that today. We're still we're still actively yeah. um, engaging with with sort of customers to to help build more and more and more. So. That's, that's really how we, we learned. Um, we've been fairly deliberate as a business about hiring people from industry amongst all, all sorts of you know, people, but we do have a portion of our, of our team that, that comes strictly from industry. So having some, some domain expertise uh, on staff is, is super helpful as well. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and so you mentioned briefly the types of adjacent opportunities that you're looking at. What makes it exciting to be innovating during this time in the trucking space, obviously there's the layer of, you know, already there's a lot of changes going on in the trucking industry. I'd imagine with autonomous driving or vehicles rather, but you know, when you layer on top all the changes that have happened uh, due to COVID, you know, what are some of the things that really excites you as far as potential areas to take Rose Rocket or just general opportunities you see in the industry? I think even, you know, before COVID and COVID just probably expedited some of this it was really the, the, the best thing for our business has probably been Amazon because um, Amazon has created an impossible standard for every company that they're competing with, which gets, you know, to be wider and wider by the day. When those companies that, that are, that Amazon is, is, is targeting are looking for more visibility, they're looking to offer their customers better visibility to where their orders are. They currently today cannot really do that. So they're looking at really, wholesale digital transformations to, again, back to that theme of bringing their supply online and bringing that the visibility, um, you know, into, into the eyes of the, of the, the consumer, um, of their customer. So I, I don't know that without Amazon or something like that, that the trucking industry would have really moved all that quickly. It's not been an industry that's been well known for innovation um, and, and early adoption into technology. And I still wouldn't go as far as to say that the industry as a whole is is, is early at adopting, but they are exceptionally quick um, at reacting to market conditions and changes as I'm learning. And so even over the last, if I were to say the last 18 months, there has been a paradigm shift in the industry from, well, we'll wait and see so-and-so company or so-and-so situation is, is just a trend. It will pass. We've been in business for a hundred years. It's all cyclical to this right. is different. The world has changed. We need to do something or we will die. I watched that shift right before my eyes and as mentioned over the last 18 months. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, going deeper into that, you know, there's a lot of buzz around Cybertruck and Tesla and, you know, to an extent Uber. 
you know, how do you think about that playing a role in a lot of the changes you just mentioned right now? I, I think that we're pretty far away from that right now. From from an, uh, we like to talk in business about exciting technologies that are that are you know coming down the pipe, but it often doesn't seem to matter how far away these things are or the actual utility of it. Um, AI is another good example of that, where it's it's still very nascent, and most of the times, even when AI is being sold in marketplaces, it's generally just automation. It's not actually real artificial intelligence. So kind of to go back to autonomous vehicles, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about it, but if I were to, I would say that Rose Rocket is an open API platform where really the industry's first, you know, sort of TMS as a service in that way. And, and I would say that we are exceptionally well positioned to integrate into a robot truck um, because that is the way in which we would talk to the driver would be through an API. So if you had a fleet of autonomous trucks today and you were going to deploy them into the world. I don't know too many other TMSs you could you could use outside of ours that would actually communicate with them. So I, I feel good about it when it comes, but I do think it's it's a decade away. Got it. Circling back to the shift you had just talked about, about taking your supply chain online and how that adoption curve kind of accelerated in, in the past few months, right? I think, you know, it was something of an interesting topic for a lot of customers. Now it's more of a necessity. What was it, like, how quickly did the conversations change? Like, what surprised you the most kind of being on the other side, fulfilling this demand and, and trying to take advantage of this to an extent by, you know, looking at all the different needs that are coming about and solving for them? Are we referring to COVID, sorry, or is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I'd say COVID and, and you know, as a result, you know, adoption with e-commerce as a result, leading to, uh, you know, a, a lot of online supply chains or digital supply chain work. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think these things do take a, a long time to materialize into the, you know, the hands of the consumers or, or the minds of the buyers. So I think we're still very much in a transitionary period where we still don't know totally how the world will settle in that. Does everything go back to normal in six months from now? This was all just a dream. And, and we shake hands again and, and waiters don't wear masks and, and we go to Costco to buy everything. Or on, on the opposite side of that, is this all here to stay? We lean further into um, e-commerce and lean, lean further into the, the digital economy. And it's probably somewhere in the middle. So I think we're, we're yet to land. What we've seen in our business, though, is a, we have not really seen a, a significant slowdown in, in sales. When we look at our, the volumes that move through our systems, they've been pretty consistent. So trucking right. as a whole has not been too overly impacted in a negative way during this process. In some cases they've, they've had, they've, they've been positively impacted, but I would say that we're still, we still have some, some cycles to go before we really understand um, how much has, has truly changed for good. But, but I, I can say, as I mentioned earlier, that specifically at the enterprise level, I've heard the term digital transformation uh, spoken about in the last 90 days more than I have in the, in the 900 previous to that. Right. And, and what does digital transformation in the trucking space mean to you? <laughs> I, I think like Deloitte made it up. So I, it's, it, yeah. I, what does it mean to me? It, it means to me going from on-prem to the cloud. I'm going to be very, just very baseline about it. I think it's just, it's, it's getting off of the old legacy architecture and moving into uh, cloud-based infrastructures where we're using more microservices and APIs to, to run and scale your business. Got it. That makes sense. And 
you know, let's switch gears and, you know, let's talk about the driver population for a bit. How have you incorporated them into your thinking? What do you think is the role of, let's call it your average trucking driver for the next five and then 10 years? Because I think, you know, the technology that you guys are building in addition to autonomous vehicles, in addition to just, just the economics of a lot of these things changing, the role of the driver changes as well. Right? And, and they become perhaps, you know, marginalized to an extent. I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm curious to get your thoughts as to, you know, where do you see their role going in, in kind of the broader ecosystem of, you know, trucking supply chain and whatnot. So the driver, so there has been this, this driver shortage problem that's been been talked about for a long, as long as I've been in the industry, there's been a driver shortage in that, that young people aren't driving trucks. So there's people retiring out of the industry every year and they're not being replaced. There is, I think, still a high demand um, for drivers. I think it's interesting because during, you know, sort of thinking about COVID, like frontline workers are really in vogue right now. So I think drivers have, have sort of, they've, they've been, you know, they're, when you think of a truck driver, we sort of paint the picture in our mind of what that is. And I don't think that's always a, a overly positive image. If we can create a better sentiment around what a truck driver is and the importance and, and going back on how frontline working, you know, it, it is not a, uh, not a swear word at this point, we could see more attraction to drivers because I think where the question is, was, was kind of alluding to is I don't see, as I mentioned before, um, the technology mitigating the use of the driver anytime all that soon. Um, and, and, and I really in many ways think that there will be this natural shift that as, as drivers do eventually at whatever point that is, whether it's, you know, in 10 years or a hundred years, um, start being replaced by, by robots people won't be wanting to be drivers anyway. They will see the writing on the wall. So I don't see this, this, this situation where there is a pick a number. There's, you know, God, there's probably 3 million, 4 million truck drivers, you know, in, in North America. And then tomorrow there's robots and they're all other jobs. It will be this natural progression where people kind of fade in. And so if you were to look at a, a factory line worker, nobody wants to do that work because those jobs don't exist. It's all, they're all executed by robots anyway. So I, I, I don't think that there's this huge, Skynet war that's going to happen between drivers and robots. And I think it'll just be a natural attrition as, as, as robots do more. But the reality of sort of how important are drivers, they're, they're absolutely critical. And in the eyes of our customers, I, I would say next to their own customers, uh, drivers would be the most taken care of from a, from a, from a technology perspective. They're the most valued employee in, in trucking businesses, I would say, um, pretty much categorically. And so that's, there's sort of a lot of pieces of information there, but I would, I would, I guess my summary on that statement is drivers are important. They're going to be for a while. I think attracting drivers in the short term will actually be a little bit easier than it has been in the past. Um, and I think as robots take those jobs away, I think there will be a natural attrition that, that won't create any real, you know, us versus them, we're, you know, people versus robot type uh, landscape. Yeah, makes sense. What do you think is the role of data in all of this? Oh. I think it's it's to this point in time, data has been exceptionally hard to get and very expensive for the enterprise. Um, it lives all over the place. It is very siloed in, inside organizations. I think that the access to data as, as companies go through these digital transformations and invest in business intelligence tools and analytics tools and in the cloud, the role of data on, on all of this is, data is, is sort of, it's really, I think it's, 
how limited is your imagination? I think really data can yeah. go, it can do, there's much smarter people than I that could, that could comment on, on what the data specifically could do. But, but I, but for me being a bit of an abstract thinker, I, I, there is just really massive possibilities when we can understand what the business is doing in real time. Um, trucking is, is a, a very, very difficult business. And, and even when you do it really well, it's not overly profitable. And so being able to use the data to make more profitable decisions, I think will be a, a significant uh, shift in the industry. Got it. And, you know, when we talk about profitability, one of the things that comes to mind is what would the org structure of a typical trucking company pre and post, let's call it digital transformation for lack of a better term, look like? Like how will, you know, perhaps using Rose Rocket or a different tool impact the efficiency, the number of people you need to run a trucking business? Yeah, so if we talk, I'll, I'll talk about the the enterprise because I think it's it's almost a little easier to answer under that that premise. Right. The you'll certainly see a shift in the the technology teams. Um, you it doesn't necessarily mean that you will be investing less, but you will be investing differently. So people managing the current on-prem infrastructure of servers, uh, these types of things, th- those will be replaced by SaaS, which I think is you know that's that's business agnostic really sorry, industry agnostic, I should say. So we'll definitely see a a shift there. I think in terms of frontline workers, there's certainly many efficiencies and automations to be had, but there there doesn't seem to be a massive desire from the executive level to reduce large swaths of overhead. What I get a sense of is a much, is it just a different way of, if we currently are a company that has 100 people, we probably want to maintain uh, an employment level around there. It's the roles that people are doing now. So it's doing, it's focusing more on the exceptions, focusing more on growth. Trucking companies, believe it or not, have not been traditionally very good at, uh, at business development, at selling, at marketing. This is what the brokerage industry is very large as a result of this sort of this, this soft spot in, in the trucking space. So I, I see more of a shift moving towards uh, customer acquisition um, and away from just executing a basic operational procedure day in, day out. So probably that's kind of, I think it's more of a shift than a, you know, it's a mitigation. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Now going to a completely different area, uh, more so to talk about kind of your leadership style and how, how you manage people curious to learn more about your inspiration. I mean, you, you, you know, share a lot online and, you know, some of the, and you mentioned some key figures who've inspired you to innovate, push boundaries, and, and really get to the next level. Tell me more about this. I think where, where that comes from is with some of our early larger customers, when we were just starting out and we had you know, 12 people in an office and, and I would you know, fly down to pitching an opportunity to, you know, companies, quite frankly, really had no business doing business with at that time. Right. And, and I would get in the room with, with a CTO, um, you know, one gentleman in, uh, in particular, Jim McBride, he was the CTO at, at Unigroup. Um, and they, they ultimately, we did our first seven figure deal uh, with them. And he just got what we were doing. You know, he understood what we were doing. And, and it was those types of conversations that just allowed me to say, yes, we're on the right track. We're doing the right thing. The positive feedback we're having from people who have had exceptional professional success and seen all sorts of things. And they say, this is interesting. This is cool. We want to work with you. So it was really those early engagements, uh, you know, even earlier than that, you know, when we first started talking to 
um, our first customer we ever spoke to who took us two and a half years to close and not because he was a slow buyer. It was just because we didn't have a product that was ready, but he was interested and he liked our story and he liked the vision and, and he just kept checking in with us every few months and finally said, yeah, you've got what, you've got what we need now. Let's do it. Those, those are where we were inspired. I was inspired by, by the people who took the time to care enough to try a little bit harder to look for products and, and companies outside of the box. That, that's where I think where really that comes from. And even saying this is just bringing up, uh, you know, I'm just feeling a lot of gratitude at this, at this moment as I'm expressing this. Yeah, no, and, and you know, that, that makes complete sense. Talking more specifically to your particular skill set, I mean, Chief Strategy Officer in and of itself, a fairly unique title uh, for, for a growing company, to be honest. What kind of skill or mindset do you bring to the table that is very difficult to transfer or train amongst members on your team? I think vulnerability is a very difficult uh, skill if we want to talk, call it that, uh, to, to transfer and to teach. Um, I think from, and I think it's really hard to transfer and teach because it's something that is um, harvested or sorry, grown over time. You become that way based on the things I just described, really. You know, you become that way because you are thinking about, uh, you're, you're faced with lots of rejection, but you're faced with, with, as a founder, you have a unique position where you can say no where you can be yourself and not have to really worry about the outcome uh, in many, many situations, where as an employee, it can be a little bit more, I think, pressure packed and you're measured on more, you know, sort of strict, you know, objectives and, 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 you know, being a founder and really a lot of the work I do is quite subjective. So I sort of have a bit of a privilege in that. So I, w- I don't want to say that, that it's not because people can't be vulnerable, but I think that's a skill that, that I, that I do possess, a lot of, and, and I think it, it is a very difficult one to, to transfer because I think, again, it's, it, it comes as a result of experience. Yeah. Got it. Appreciate you sharing that kind of a bit more on a slightly different note, you know, what is it that, you know, you could perhaps brag about without, you know, perhaps looking arrogant. Um, what, what skill or, you know, something that you do that, you know, other team members, perhaps other competitors, don't do as much of a great job on? I think, well, I know, I guess, because we're going to do this in a way that doesn't make me sound arrogant. So I get to, um, <laughs> I have a, a very exceptional ability uh, to, to sell a dream and in television. And so I, I'm exceptionally confident when I get into a room um, where I get to uh, talk about the, the future, uh, talk about the vision, talk about the, collective power of us coming together to execute against that vision. And, and it feels, it's very visceral for me. In those moments, I think people would comment that they, that they have um, very good experiences with me when, when, I'm, when I'm doing um, those types of things. So whether it's to staff or, or potential customers or to investors, um, it's, it's something I've had a lot of success with and feel very, very confident to be in a room when, when, that's, when, that's, when that's asked of me. Got it. And you know, that's, Definitely key, uh, just given the nature of the industry and the amount of change and inertia that you're battling as well. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Curious to learn more about your customers. Like, how have they handled working remotely? I mean, obviously, for a software technology company, relatively easy, right? Um, And not to diminish anything, but, you know, just being able to work from home, hop on your laptop or computer and being able to, you know, 
interact normally is one thing, but, you know, running a trucking or logistics business during a time where demand is probably through the roof, um, a lot of, you know, different stress levels, their uh, systems and, and the way they normally operate, not to mention having to dealing, having to deal with quarantine. How have your customers dealt with the past few months? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, our customers specifically have had a good time because they're, they're on a SaaS product, so they can go home and log, log, log on from home. Uh, trucking is an essential service, so not everybody could work from home. There are people that have to work on the docks and load the trailers, and people have to drive the trucks. And so um, not everybody in the space has had the, the privilege, I would call it, of, of being able to work from home. They've had to go into the office um, all the way through this process. The, the terminal would be probably a better word for it. Many of the people we, we do deal with are on the IT side and the executive side. I don't know that they've had a... a overwhelmingly difficult time transitioning to work from home. I think more of the, the social construct, I, I think, has been a little bit difficult. But the actual, to use the term logistics of, of you know, setting up a laptop at home and doing that work, I don't think has not appeared to be uh, overly difficult. Um, the vast majority of our customers are in the U.S. And they've also been, you know, in, in certain places, you know, they were, they were shut down for pretty short periods of time in comparison to us as well. So, that, that transition right. was sort of, you know, maybe 30 days, uh, you know, 60 days type thing. And, and so they, there are a lot of, most of our customers now are, are back in the office. So I guess to answer the question, it's surprisingly well, I would, I would say. Got it. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and any thoughts around international expansion or how you would think about that? You know, there's the, the, the U.S. market is, is just so gigantic um, for us that we, there's certain countries where there's just not a lot of trucking because of the the say the size of the the size of the uh, country itself. Trucking does really well in large land mass areas where you have lots of populations distributed all over. Really, the U.S. is is the the sort of the, the premium place for for trucking in terms of just the market size. Um, right. So, do I think about it? Not really. If we maybe when we if we tap out the market in the U.S., then we would certainly do that. But I, I think there's there's plenty of business in North America for us to to stay pretty focused on for for quite a long time. Got it. Well, on that note, um, you know, really excited to see where Rose Rocket goes. Very exciting to see a Toronto-based company take on these massive challenges. And, you know, I, I think the way you guys are going, your team is going about it is, uh, makes a ton of sense. I, I think, you know, just having the open API, uh, going after it by building the TMS system and, and you know, really just focusing on North America, uh, all, you know, very great things and having that focus will definitely propel you a lot further. Very happy to have you on the podcast, Justin. Uh, you know, I, I think you guys are on a great trajectory and, and really looking forward to seeing where uh, you and the rest of your team are able to take the entire business. Well, thanks, man. It's, it's nice of you to say. And um, yeah, really grateful for you, for you having me today. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. You've been listening to the Vertical Software Podcast. Make sure to rate and subscribe our show to stay up to date on future episodes of the Vertical Software Podcast. Thanks again and talk to you next week.